On this week's movie Hilo, we're talking Summer's Isle, phallic symbols, and a shark or something? Killing us won't bring back your goddamn honey. This is Neil Abutes, The Wicker Man. You've got a cold. We should tell the people. I think you're very confident. What are you drinking? What are you drinking to help you help soothe your cold while we record this podcast? Jim Beam, um, tea, tea, that sounds good. See, I like I like the idea of a herbal herbal herbal. I always say herbal. That's be and we say because because there's a fucking H in it. <laughs> they call them herbal. I did that. I did I didn't. The Brits would say herbal. Because there's a fucking H in it. But a herbal, an herbal, whatever you want to call it, uh, tea. You schedule. You schedule. schedule yeah. I actually like that too. I think it sounds, schedule. the schedule sounds, it sounds, it sounds more refined. It sounds more like the Lou. I, well, I always think of the big Lou, but that's a different story altogether. But I was saying, I like the idea of an herbal. An herbal drink that has a little bit of a kick from from a from a whiskey oh, in it. The, bur- the bourbon is the bourbon is not being soothing. I mean, that's something that um, it's like an old wise remedy that you would rub bourbon on the gums of a teething infant to, to alleviate their pain of teething mm-hmm. because the teeth are starting to emerge from the gums. So that can be very painful for an infant. The only way they can manifest that pain is by crying and wailing. So they would you get them look it up a little bit. Yeah, and they they get a little buzz going, yeah. and they're like, "Yeah, I'm fine now. I don't yeah, give a shit about this." It works as a, a like an anesthetic almost. I like that. It makes a lot of sense. It's all right. So it's, it's making my throat feel good, but I'm not feeling any less stuff. Maybe if I should drink peppermint tea, which I think might be a little less suggestive. Well, we should we should welcome everyone to another episode of Movie yes. High Low, and hopefully a podcast discussing the best and worst that cinema has to offer. Absolutely. I'm Dom. We're talking about Oscars, Oscar movies, and Oscar season, and I can tell you right now, one movie that was not nominated for Oscars is the movie that we're discussing this week, which is The Wicker Man, directed by Neil LeBute, released on September 1st, 2006. This is a low episode. Um, says who? Well, The Wicker Man right now has a uh, 3.7 rating on IMDb, which puts it in the in the bottom 100. It's actually the number 71 lowest movie of all time, according to IMDb. Has a 15% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and was nominated for five Razzies. It did not win any of the Razzies. No, no, no. The Battlefield Earth is is much... Yeah, yeah. And and we'll, we'll, we'll compare. I think we there's probably a few interesting comparisons we can make. But um, was nominated for five Razzies, uh, including Worst Picture, Worst Actor, Worst Remake or Ripoff, Worst Screenplay, and... Or Screen Couple. Now, Screen Couple, for this one, was listed as Nicolas Cage and his bear suit. This this movie is going to... I, I feel like... I feel like he wasn't the bear suit that long, long enough to be considered a relationship. But even him and... I forget the actress's name is in the movie. It's They're not they're not paired correctly whatsoever. She seems skanky. Yeah, and way too good looking for a kind of a weirdo looking guy like him. There, so, over before we, before we get into it... 
She did look like Natalie and Brulia. Wow. She's all out of faith. This is how she feels. She's torn and she is Shane. Lying naked on the floor. Um... That's, I remember that song was on the radio all the time. Jesus. Um, so let me do a quick movie synopsis for anybody who has not seen the film. Uh, Seattle motorcycle cop Edward Malice is haunted by the event of a bizarre roadside accident where he failed to save the lives of a mother and her young daughter. While on extended leave, he receives a letter from his former lover pleading for his help to try and find her missing child, Rowan. This leads Malice to the island of Summer's Isle, inhabited by a warped polytheistic feminist cult polytheistic i don't know maybe malice soon realizes that this hive of demented women may or may not have kidnapped rowan with the intention of a ritualistic human sacrifice malice must find rowan before it's too late or allow her to suffer the fate of an appointment with the wicker man does that about sum it up so we need to clarify right off the top that what we watched was the unrated version of the movie Um, the biggest differences between the unrated version and the theatrical version, which is PG-13, is the torture scene. Is that what we watched It's unrated. So it was not given a rating by the MPAA. So when they released it, the point is when they released it, the MPAA found that scene to be a torture scene. And they, they thought that if they cut that scene out of the movie it could be released as a PG-13 movie and therefore would give it a wider audience to, to see. So if you, so if like someone who's, who's listening to this wants to watch the movie, I think it's available on HBO or it might even be available on Prime. If you go and you watch the theatrical version, the PG-13, you know, and you're expecting to see all the great stuff that you've seen on YouTube with Nicolas Cage, you're going you're gonna to be very disappointed because all of that stuff happens... It's all off camera. In the theatrical version, you just kind of hear clips of it as they're marching him toward the Wicker Marin at the end. So um, per, uh, I would I would certainly recommend if you're going to watch this movie, seek out the unrated version because it's got all the good stuff in it. Um, this is before we get into it. I I just want to say for me, this is this episode is kind of an anomaly because I think that all of the lows of this movie are. Awesome are kind of highs. It's one of the weird things where everything that makes this movie not a good film are kind of the things that make it the most the most enjoyable to watch. Um, the way that we had a slog through Battlefield Earth last week. And I, I said it was so funny because that was John Travolta, this is Nicolas Cage, and I kept making a face-off because they're both nemesis in that movie. Nemesis, I suppose. Nemesis? And I'm like, if I had to pick a team, I'd be on Team Cage because I... The difference is that I, I really enjoy watching Nicolas Cage. I don't know, just be Nicolas Cage. I mean, I, I enjoy John Travolta movies too, but with, with Battlefield Earth, the goofiness wasn't, like, I mean, aside from the do you want lunch part. <laughs> do you want lunch? It wasn't really, I, I can't explain it. It's just, um, it's it's not the same. But with Nicolas Cage, it's like, it's just one of a kind, distinct Nicolas Cage-isms and his freakouts and... He's just—you can tell—he's fucking crazy. Yeah. And but it's kind of what makes it so awesome. So yeah. It's like he really invests himself in the role, and maybe sometimes to to others that might be perceived as kind of silly, or his portrayals or his acting might be kind of odd. But to him, it's like 
he's just getting lost in the character. He's going for but it. When you're watching it, a lot, there's always every movie like that montage we find on, on YouTube. Well, everyone, every yeah, everyone should every- should should spend four minutes on YouTube watching the YouTube video Nicolas Cage losing his shit right. because it's 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 like Al Pacino. Perfect. I he has to have a freak out scene. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, he's not, he's not just like Al Pacino, but he shares the same the same fervor in his roles that he has a scene in every movie where he just gets so heated and animated to some degree that it's like you're just completely unhinged. Well, so again, I'm gonna call it, and I, obviously, I want you to we'll go. I want you to kind of lead this, but like, I think we have to start with this movie. I think we have to start with Nicolas Cage because this is a movie that transcends being a bad. It's so bad, it's good. This is one of those movies for me, at least, is that it's it's um, a certain flavor of garbage that that you like to taste once in a while. I guess I don't know how else to put it. Um, it's like junk food. It's junk. It's. It's 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 McDonald's. It's like it's like it's like smashing. Um, it's just, no, you know what it's like? No, okay, it's not like food. It's not like food food. It's like it's like that weird recipe that your grandmother makes that nobody understands. It makes it weird. Like you're eating that, but it's delicious. And nobody gets it. <laughs> That's what it's like. It's not junk food. It's not healthy food per se. It's just it's that food that you like that people don't really maybe necessarily understand why it would be like that you're weird for liking it. <laughs> Your peanut butter and mustard sandwich on raisins bread. That sounds terrible. Uh-huh. I hate peanut butter in general. The again, w- the lows of this movie weirdly become the highs, and I think that the first low slash high of the movie is Nick Cage's performance. It is something to behold. It's one for the ages. I, I, it is. How many times watching this movie, even seeing this movie more than once, did we just find ourselves laughing? Like it's. It's. And I, I I really wonder. It's not. It's not. This Nick. No, no, no. This is the thing. This is, and this is. I, I find this to be kind of an annoying thing about movies like this, where Nick. Sometimes when a movie like this, when a movie is unintentionally funny, like the way that this movie is, um, there tends to be this way to try to retroactively call it comedy. So, like, I, I've read something about Nick Cage saying that this was meant to be a black comedy, which is bullshit which is the type of thing that you say but that at least tells me that maybe he has a sense of humor about it because I'm picking up on that well, and I'm wondering if it's because he's it's that much of a joke or it's because he's but there's nothing no, no I think I, there's nothing in the movie let, let me put it to you this way when I think of a black comedy I think of something like Very Bad Things I think of something like American Psycho I think of something where the movie in in and of itself in the way that it's presented is showing some type of self-awareness that it is meant to be comedy. This movie with the score, I mean this movie is presented as if it is a thriller or a horror film. It's it's there's nothing I would call a thriller, a thriller right. Too, but, but there's nothing there's but nothing but what you're saying is that Nicolas Cage identifies with it as a black comedy. That makes me feel like okay, he does have a sense of humor about some of the goofiness of it. But what I but what I think is that what what I'm trying to say is that I think that that's an if if you make something that you're you're trying for it to be taken seriously and people sit there and laugh at it, the easiest thing for you to do is say when people are laughing, yeah, it's supposed to be funny because it's easier to say that it it's exactly what happened. This there's nothing there's nothing there's nothing. I at least that's my opinion. I don't think there's anything in the movie. That's kind of sad. I kind of feel bad for let me look. Let me put it to you this way: 
if if you, you, you I could solve this for you right now. Do you want to know how you make this movie into a black comedy? How 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 you start the movie so that people know it's a black comedy? I'll tell you exactly. I'll, I'll solve the problem for you right now. You start this movie. That opening scene where he's on his motorcycle and he's driving around, and the little girl throws the the doll out the window, and like he's driving like seventy five miles an hour and like does the one handed grab off the ground and picks up the doll and chases after them. You want this to be a black comedy? He needs to eat shit when he tries to do that. He needs to like f- try to grab that doll and like dump off of his bike and like roll like five times and have to get up and walk it off and then bump into them later like at a rest stop or like they're, they they got a flat tire and they pulled over because then it's like the the movie is almost showing you that like it knows it's silly it knows it's stupid it knows that you can't drive 75 miles an hour and one-handed grab a doll off the ground you know the movie is not being played as a black comedy the movie's being played as a straight thriller you know and now it's easy because it's so unintentionally funny it's easy now to say oh it's it was really a black comedy the whole time i think that's a little bit of bullshit but I'm willing to give Nick Cage a pass because I feel like if you watch this movie expecting, if you watch this movie expecting a thriller, you're going to be disappointed. If you sit down and you invest a, an hour and forty minutes, <laughs> exactly, he can eat a pizza for hours. Watching him makes me want to eat a pizza for hours while watching him. Carla was the prom queen. Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. That's another great Nick Cage. This is the, the thing about Nick Cage, in my opinion, is that he's only got two speeds. Okay. He's either amazing or he's god awful. And that's totally, totally tied to. But even when he's god awful, he's awesome. He's, he's awesome to watch. He's awesome to watch. But what I'm saying is that if you watch a Nick Cage movie, I feel like it's. You're going to get a certain. You're going to get adaptation or you're going to get. Um, Bad Lieutenant, Port Call, New Orleans, which is a totally underrated and underseen movie that he's amazing in. Um, the Weatherman is another great movie that he's in. Nick Cage is, he, he's either amazing in movies or he's bad in movies, and I think that's totally tied to whether or not the filmmaker knows how to harness his manic energy in a way that's helpful for the story, for the, for the film, exactly. Um, and something like this, you can tell that, you know, the script, the, the as far as it being a good movie, it's not a good movie. It's it's a movie. Yeah, absolutely. No, he is. He is. I actually, I read an article, or I, I think I've maybe watched an interview with him where he was talking about in Bad, in Bad Lieutenant. Again, I, I cannot recommend this movie enough. This is, if you want to watch a Wicker Man performance in a good movie, watch Bad Lieutenant Portocol in New Orleans because he's unbelievable. But he was talking about, Werner Herzog directed that movie and he was talking about how in between takes, he was pretending to sniff some kind of, like he wasn't sniffing Coke, but he was he was doing something where he was sniffing what looked like Coke. And it was like a method thing where it was him getting into, and Werner Herzog like would come over and be like, Nicholas, is that cocaine? And he's like... Like it, it would, it fucked up his process. He was getting upset. Where it was like, no, it's, it's not coke. It's sugar or whatever it is that he's doing. But he's like, yeah, it's fucking coke. Like it's him trying to get himself gassed up for the performance that he has to give as a guy who's on drugs or doing whatever. So 
I definitely think that he's a guy, he's definitely a method actor. He's definitely somebody who takes the process very, very, very seriously. Um, and I, you know, this, the performance that he gives in this movie is so interesting to watch because he, he swings from these, you know, he's trying to be normal. He's just trying to be a normal guy in certain scenes and him trying to be normal is like dweeby verging on, on creepy verging on like being a, you know, like what is it? A shark? (laughs) Like him being normal is almost like a person who has studied human interaction, but never had any. So anytime he's trying to behave normally in this movie, he just comes off as like very strange. And he swings from one extreme of trying to be normal to being totally over the top. And you know, how to get burned, how to get burned. And he's doing that version of himself. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he's just swinging from extremes in this performance. I don't want to. But I in in this movie in particular, it just it's very strange how uh, punctuated, you know. I I the the whole reason to watch this movie really is to watch what Nick Cage is doing in it because it, the fact that this it's you watch this movie and you're kind of like the fact that this performance exists that it actually is on film it was recorded we can we can watch it now is something to behold. Tell me tell me some of your highs, some of your lows. First thing I wrote was the little girl for the first five minutes, right, in the car, the car accident. She put, she said, I'm bored, and then the car catches fire. And I just thought that was a really cool, I don't know, way to like kind of start off the movie, leaving you with more questions than answers. And then when the fire breaks out and he comes to, you know, see if everything's okay, he sees that the little girl's still alive, he tries to break through the back window to get to her. If the car explodes, whatever, it's like, it's a cool scene. I mean, it's, it's always cool when you see kids that are kind of like fresh and smart. Like, I'm bored. And then the fucking fire breaks out. <laughs> I don't know, it, was just, it was cool. I liked it. But it's also telling that there's something going on in this movie. I'm so stuffy. It's like, yeah, you, I feel like you sound worse I'm now. Sorry, I'm sorry to people if I sound like I'm making you sick now that you don't seem to be. But, um, I don't know what I was going to say. Title of the man. Oh, I liked that in the opening, when they were doing the opening title, when they showed it, portion of the title where it said the wicker man how it looked like the letters are all made out of wicker I like that that's one of my highs that's, the, that's not a stupid high like it's not a stupid high it's just there, it's just there. Oh, oh the guy the guy at the boat plane ahoy there I didn't know what to say oh no he says that okay Nicholas Cage says ahoy there I didn't know what to say like cause he's so goofy like you were talking about like when he's trying to be normal it's like he, it's not normal like, he, he's trying to say ahoy there I don't know I just thought that what to say like it's so funny. Yeah, that's he, he he's he, he's like an alien who's watched tapes of what a person is supposed like, to act like. Cuz awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he's clearly not a normal guy. He's not a normal guy by any stretch of the imagination. And I put beautiful cinematography. Really? You think the cinematography was well, beautiful? I mean, they do the drone shots, like the overhead shots. Well, they weren't drones back then. They were doing real helicopters. Okay. Aerials. I guess. I guess you could say that. I guess you could say that. In Summer's Isle, for all the fucking goings on of that place, it's like, 
Yeah, so you should... I, wrote, I wrote down the what's in the bag, the shark or something. This, that, that's yeah, my... The that... shark or something? So, okay. So, hold on. So, hold on. We got to talk about this for a second because this to me is... This guy has to be the worst cop ever. If this... If, if his whole... Um, motivation to go to this island is that he is trying to locate a missing child okay and the first interaction that he has when he gets to this island is a group of people carrying a bag that is moving and bloodied I know, right? and, and 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 looks like know, and looks like roughly the size of a child right and 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 his reaction is what do you got a shark or something I know, it's like as a as a as a cop, wouldn't you be like, I need you to open this bag right now to see what is what is in this because I'm looking for a missing child, and this is a fucked up scenario. Maybe maybe that's one of the ways that it holds water that they're doing some kind of you know absurdist comedy, but it, it it's one of those things where it's. I think it's part of why that line is so funny too. It's like really, He's, it's, it's so goofy. Um, you were asking what my heart Keep going, keep going. Right down the list. Oh, that's something I was going to say too that I thought was cool was that all the wieners and everything were hexagonal shaped because if you actually study Like a honeycomb? Virus, honeycomb or... Everything is hexagonal shaped. It's like at least it's not that shaped. That was kind of cool. But when you get to that bar, I don't know what the actress's name is, but the, the taller, kind of heavy set one, uh, sister... One of the sisters. There's many yeah, sisters in that movie. Probably name of a plant, right? And um, he goes, "What are you? You must be the barmaid or something, right?" Like, who do you say the line was? Are you the barmaid? Wait, are you the barmaid or whatever you call it? I just thought it was funny. It's like it's like it's just like when he goes, "Ahoy!" Like it's like there's a couple of lines in the movie. Another one that comes to mind that I didn't write down, but I'm trying to remember. Everybody's talking to Ellen Burstyn, and, he's, and she's like, oh, "Perhaps in time." She goes, maybe in time you'll begin to understand. Perhaps. He goes, well, perhaps. Then stop fucking talking. When it's, oh. <laughs> you cut the bullshit. Or right. he says something. But like, you're right on the perhaps. She goes, you'll understand. In time, perhaps. He goes, perhaps it's time for you to stop bullshitting me. <laughs> perhaps it's time for you to stop bullshitting me. It's, it's again, it's him and swinging from. I know, I know. You're, I know. You're, you're suffering but through it. Funny, you're it's, good sport. But it is funny when you're watching it. Like, his delivery of these lines stuff. It's like. It's just the lines, the way he's saying them, the timing in which he delivers them, just like the timing in which he delivers punches in this movie. Yeah. So oh, okay. The timing in which he falls down fucking hills and fucking yeah. Yeah. We we have we. The, I mean, listen, listen. There's no way we can talk about this movie without getting into the third act of this movie. Is bananas. It is totally off the wall, crazy. The, I mean. I, I, I honestly I remember watching this movie before it before it kind of became um, this this meme or like this online legend before people were really aware of how silly and over the top it was. I remember actually seeing this movie like when when, when you know when you were watching something that was on television when it first came out. But I'm saying like when when it first came out. When you were expecting it to be within the genre that it was presenting itself in, which was that you expected it to be like a thriller or whatever. And I remember getting to that last act of the movie, and when he is just punching women in the face and like drop kicks Lily Sobieski. I love to see me slowly walking on the stairs. <laughs> she goes, You look a little worse for wear. And it's just 
slow descent of the staircase. He's just keeping his eyes locked on her. Slow descent. And just walk her up to her. And just... And boom, roundhouse. It's like the comedic timing of it. It's just like... It's weird because I... I'm not advocating hitting women or... No, nobody's, nobody's advocating hitting women. It's... The way the dialogue and the blocking are timed out. He, he hits three women pretty hard within the within with with within the course of exactly within the course of like th- 5 minutes of the movie and by the end is in a bear costume and is running full force at a woman and just and like throws a fucking haymaker what's wrong sister <laughs> that's what's wrong it's uh, the last act, i mean you get to the last act of this movie and you're and you're watching something that i i, I don't know that i've ever seen anything like it in, in any other movie well, ever. The other scene that's great in this movie is the scene where he goes to the schoolhouse. Oh, with the okay. with the kids? <laughs> phallic symbol, phallic <laughs> symbol. Like, what is what is that? Phallic symbol. <laughs> <laughs> but the teacher's great too, but Sister Rose or whatever. And then when she, she uh, introduces herself, he goes, Of course, another flat. <laughs> like, well, even like when he first walks in and he's like, I'm a policeman. Here's my badge. <laughs> It's so silly and so, so. All right, let me ask you a question because I think I think this is interesting. Now, the original, and again, I, I I remember seeing the original Wicker Man. I probably in high school. I may have really only watched it once, and I have kind of vague, like I I remember certain parts of it, but I don't have a very um, comprehensive memory of the film. But other than knowing that it was a classic, and other than knowing that it was something um, kind of special, Christopher Lee considers it his his best performance in any movie ever. Um, Christopher Lee is in the original. He's in the 1973 version. Yes, as in Dracula, as in Christopher Lee, as in Christopher Lee had been in 90s. In the movie, well, because you never saw the original, so you wouldn't remember. He's in the he's in the he's in the original Wicker Man. Well, you're you have you are on a lot of Dayquil right now, aren't you? Okay. Um, but the point is, is that um. I don't remember where I was going with this. No, I was I was using Chris Lee as an example. Oh, 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 okay, okay. Where I was going with this was in the original version of the of the movie, the the kind of the conflict is the idea of Christianity versus paganism. So the main character, the the malice character. By the way, real quick, just an aside, malice. This is the level, and we're gonna get in. No, we're going to get into the one of my other lows, which is the screenwriting, which I have to talk about Neil Labute's screenwriting in, in a bit. But Malice, from what I've read, is the way that they came up with Nick Cage's character's name, Malice, is that it's the word male and phallus put together. So that's the level of screenwriting that we're dealing with. It's a little, it's a little stupid. In the original version of The Wicker Man, the, the, the conflict is sort of between the ideas of Christianity, uh, the idealism of Christianity and paganism and that's sort of where the conflict comes from in this version in this updated version that that Neil Labute has done is sort of a, a there's this whole feminist approach to it where the the island is inhabited by these women who are have dominated they only they have a very select few amount of men they've cut all their tongues out uh they've made them subservient to the women they talk about like at one point Ellen 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 Bernstein says something to the effect of like, we love our men, but we're not subservient to them. They are here to help us procreate. That is their role, you know, in in 
the world that we've created here. So I'm just curious from your perspective, like, what do you think about, is it, is there, is there something to be said about how they changed it from the idea of Christianity versus... That sucks. And that still exists today in some cultures. But so I think it's a very interesting stance to take on it. And, and I think it has a lot to do with feminism and female empowerment. And, that's, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing there's wrong with that at all. Of course not. A beauty to the idea of that because when you think about it, yeah, I mean, there's, there's single mothers out there that are happy to um, be become impregnated in vitro and, you know, they probably, in most cases, they, they do want to know who their father is, but they don't need to raise their child alongside their partner. Well, you know, you know, it's kind of like, do you, do you remember that movie, The World According to Garp, the whole the whole Glenn Close character, where she decides that she's like, I'm going to use this guy as a way to get pregnant, but not have to make him be a father, not have to yeah. live with him and as... And Big Lebowski, right? She yeah. Just, she just wants a baby. She's yeah. Not, you know, you're just, you're just found out. Yeah, that's it. And I think there's a beauty to that. Yeah, portrayed. I agree. You haven't seen it portrayed. It's not it's enough. Interesting twist to take on. Yeah, we love our men and they serve a purpose to us, but we're not subservient to them. If anything, she doesn't say it, but you get that they're subservient to us. They're here to serve. They're us. totally subservient. They're not here to serve them, and I think it's a really cool, different take to to, to take on who's supposed to be in charge of everything. So the update to this movie to you is a it's an upgrade from from I what they. I think it's interesting. I don't think it's it is bad. interesting. There's a cool thing called the Bechtel test which is there's there's two questions that you have to ask yourself when you watch a movie and the first question is are there more than two female characters actually i'm sorry there's three questions are there more than two female characters is the first question the second question is are those two female characters in a scene together and the third question is do they talk about anything other than a a, a man and it's like most movies don't pass that test there aren't two there aren't two female characters they aren't in a scene together and if they are in a scene together they're talking about a guy so it's, it becomes this thing where 
that's that's pretty fucked up from from a from a woman's perspective to have to kind of watch movies told that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they burned effigies and they had different depictions of it different parts of the United Kingdom different parts of Scotland and England and Ireland and um, different forms of it that even to this day they think it's so burned down and it reminded me in some respects of that movie that we saw at Midsommar as well this movie um, I think I honestly think that Midsommar Midsommar is is a, first of all I really like that movie I think I, I actually liked it better than Hereditary because um, it's the same director and I think that that guy definitely 100% was completely inspired by the original Wicker Man movie like right down to the bear costume right down like but also the example of if you look at Midsommar Midsommar is a perfect example of a way that a movie can take these kind of ritualistic ideas and do it so that it is done in a way that's scary, in a way that's dramatic, and, ha- and that movie is even funny at certain points. I think the thing that's the scariest about it in these movies is that they always introduce people that aren't from these cultures. So people that aren't used to dealing with the concepts right. of life and death and fertility and virility and how humankind has a relation and connection to the earth and how the earth and harvest can be affected by sacrifices or fertility as women and fertility of the earth are hand in hand and all these things, all these concepts, it's it's the thing that makes it scary in these movies, the, all the ones we just mentioned, Midsommar, or, or even the Wicker Man movies, um, it's the idea that they're introducing characters that are from the Western world and it's not... Right. It's culture shock. It's, it's, so it is scary. Like, the idea of a ritualistic sacrifice or even in Midsommar where it's the idea that when you get to a certain age, you kill yourself mm-hmm. because that's... And you, and you die with honor, you die with grace and dignity. And to people over here, they might not be used to the idea of that. That's a very scary, that's, that's, that's what they play upon in making. That's why it is scary, because it's scary to people like us who, that's not how we are the other, raised. And yeah. That's what we have to look forward to someday. But even, our role in our community. And even at the end of the movie, and in, in, again, in this unrated version of the movie that we watched, Nicolas Cage's character is, like, protesting at the end of the movie, where he's saying, I don't believe in your God. I'm not one of you. So he's kind of like making the point that you're sacrificing me, but I, right. I'm not. I, I'm the wrong sacrifice. I'm not. I watched that scene too, and she's like, you know, you'll become a god now, or you know, you'll It's like I don't believe in it. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk some more. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! Out of my eyes! Eyes! Ah! So, coming back. What other stuff do you got? I've got I've got a couple. The truth is I've got I've got some notes on this, but um, you were jotting down way more notes than I was watching this movie. Did you?
He slowly descends down the staircase, locking eyes with sister, whatever her name is, and then just decks her like <laughs> just like walks out the staircase, not leaving eye contact, pauses, still looking at her, and then just decks her like <laughs> time it was hilarious. And then the other thing I wrote was, yeah, exactly. At the end when he's in the bear costume. Uh, what is it, sister? What's wrong? And he just punches the lady. Well, it wasn't for a moment. See, you're you're calling all of these your highs, and I feel like a lot of this stuff, like I'm I'm positioning it more as lows because I think these are the things that make the movie a shitty movie. But again, I think that that's why it's so funny to watch. Yeah, lows. Other things I would say are lows. I think like the screenplay is a low, and again, it's a low because it's just it's ineffective at being what it's trying to be, which is a thriller. Um, it it plays more as a comedy, and unintentionally. Um, so you have specific lows that are actually lows, like these are things um, that are not. Okay. Oh God. It's like the. It's pretty. It's pretty hacky. It's the it's the Grady twins. Hey, it's the Grady twins grown up. Don Quixote. Well, that's that's all their production is based off of honey. And, like, and he keeps getting in these situations. That that scene where he's like falling down this hillside of all these different hives and that scene's so funny. Like, of course, he's getting himself into this mess, but you're definitely would be like, of course you are. And then he's talking to Ella Burson for the first time when he first meets, you know, uh, Sister Summers Isle. Sister Summers Isle, and he's like smacking the bees and landing on his neck, and it's like it's not a mosquito, it's not a black fly. Like you're allergic to bees. First of all, I'm not allergic to bees, okay? I know that if a bee landed me, I don't do this because it's probably going to sting me. I, I, it's just an instinct. I know that bees are going to sting. I don't do this because it's going to sting me. He's definitely allergic to bees. And then I'm just fucking smacking them like this. I'm like, are you trying to get stung? It's like, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's, it's, so by the time he gets to that last scene, the quote-unquote torture scene, 
before he's about to be uh, sacrificed, and the bees are getting poured over his head, that that thing and everything. It's like we got to we got to talk uh, about of that. Of course, you got to this. Like, of course, of course, he's definitely allergic to bees. Why wouldn't he be definitely allergic to bees? But he's done. Just like you said, what kind of cop? You know, you're some, supposed to be some hotshot cop, and then you get there, and then it's like these people have this sack with what looks like it could be the size of a small child's corpse with blood dripping out. Was it a shark or something? Like, his powers of deduction are really that badly impaired. You know what I mean? You're, you have this awful, serious bee allergy, but you're all... You went, to a, you went to a place that's entire economy yeah, is based on the production of honey. Of course, you, why wouldn't he have an allergy to bees? You know, it's just, it's so, it's so silly. So I wrote that as a low. Yeah, again, that's, that's really everything. So I, I try to leave. Um... Um, so just before, before I get into my lows that I think are the other lows of this, there's no, we got to talk about the last act of this, of this movie. And us, I mean, this is where the movie really comes alive. If you have, if you watch this movie knowing it's a comedy or, or thinking that it's a comedy, you're going into it thinking like, okay, I'm going to watch this film to laugh. It's funny from the first frame it's funny from it's funny from the word go right if you watch this movie he's just a but if you if, if you watch this movie under the false pretense that that, it, that it, it, it purported itself which is that you're going to watch a thriller or a psychological thriller or a horror film or whatever it was kind of trying to be when it first came out or, or based off of what what the original wicker man was um you're you're just kind of spellbound. You're just like, what? It's just this is very bad all the way through. And then you get to the last thirty minutes of this movie. And when you get to the last thirty minutes of this movie, it turns into such a bizarre. Everything that happens in this movie. The twist is pretty good. What twist? The twist at the end of the movie when you realize that it was all a big scam to get yeah, you there. But you don't. You didn't see that coming. You didn't see that. So the audience. Was so here's so here's 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 what I think is a problem with the movie in general, okay? And again, I I kind of know the answer to this, but I I'm just going to posit it as as what I think is a big problem. They want to sacrifice Nicolas Cage to be able to get their honey production back up. They think that if they make it they make a human sacrifice, they will they will renew their harvest and they will get um the bees will there'll be more bees, there'll be more honey. That that's how they that's how their entire economy is based off of, of the production of honey. Um, so I understand the idea that they need to get him to the island. They need to get him there. And the way that they get him there is that Willow, who's this woman who he was a former lover of his, is saying, I need your help. You need to come and you need to uh, help me find my lost daughter. My daughter has gone missing. Please help me. And the motivation for the character is set up in the opening scene where he fails to save the life of this young girl. Which to me, that opening scene always kind of freaked me out because when I remember watching that opening scene. It's so weird and so stilted and strange that I kept thinking like, are the people, are the characters in this opening scene somehow related to the people on Summer's Isle? Because what that does is it sets up the motivation for the character that I wasn't able to save this little girl. So now there's another little girl that I can save. So this is why I will go to this island and do this. So you un- you're understanding the character's motivation based off of the opening scene and his failure. 
it's it's a redemptive it's a redemption story exactly but the 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 point i'm making is that so now you get him once he gets to the island so we've we've created the reason for why he would want to go and now willow has lured him there and now he's there why put him through the paces why make him this if the idea is that they just want to sacrifice him why create this elaborate ruse to make him chase around a, a young... A, a, I just said it because they were afraid of him leaving. They had to create this because the idea is that he's such a brilliant cop. He would have figured it out. Like, he, they need to make this game, this web for him to get stuck in. But the minute he steps off that plane, they can't break his knees right then and then stick him in a room. I mean, there's all these weird scenes where... At any point, this guy should have tried to have left. And not only at any point, this guy should have tried to have left. This guy already he left. He finds the guy on the boat plane. Yeah, and and you know, and not only that, then he walks into the weird room where the guy's all stung up with bees, and then he walks into the room where the girl's got like the beard of bees, and he's just like, well, "This is weird." And he just continues on with his day, like 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 this isn't the most. Right. But 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 what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that it, once that once they get him on the on the island, once he's on the island, they've got him, and to put him through the paces. Well, I guess you wouldn't have a movie. You wouldn't have a movie. You wouldn't have a movie if they didn't put him through the paces. I guess this is a question like you'd be asking me. This is an answer that you would give me. It's just they, they, there's no movie. Then there's no movie. Again, this is if you hold it up to scrutiny, it's not meant to be held up to scrutiny because it's so stupid. It's so dopey. But that's why if you watch it as a comedy and you just watch it to watch Nicolas Cage go nuts. And then when we get to the end, when we get to the what? amazing... What, what is that? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like that he's, that he's literally saying, my legs, you broke my legs. Don't, don't move me. My eyes. It's, it, it's so... They, they must have been. I don't know. Like, it begs the question. Anybody that cast Nicholas Cage in a movie, like, I think. But see, but see, I think, I think, I think he is taking it seriously. And I think, I think. I know he is. They have these horrible digital bees, and I bet that he, in his head, when he's when he's performing the scene, is saying to himself, like, "What would the bees be doing to me? They would be stinging my eyes. I must scream about my eyes. You know, there'd be the bees' knees." It's just so good. I, I the the truth is honestly, and again, and, and I'll I'll get into my highs, uh, the the highs that I have of the movie. Um, this is not an unpleasant movie to watch. When we watched Battlefield Earth, it it really took a lot of effort to watch it. This is a movie that's it wasn't fun. Yeah, it wasn't it fun. Really wasn't. This you isn't. It needed it needed more lunch. Okay. Battlefield Earth needed more lunch. It's, it's part of what makes it so endearing. The fact that you're laughing through it as much as you're laughing through it really makes it such a fun time. Um, it's just that Nicholas Cage. He did. They so they did. But, so I told you this. They did recently. They did a. Um, well, they've they've had for several years. They've had Cage Fest where they do a Nicholas Cage film festival, and he showed up at the most recent one. And he read the Telltale Heart, and he stayed through the whole festival. And he actually programmed it. He actually was like, "Here are a couple of movies that I think uh, I would want people to rewatch and say maybe you didn't give this a good enough look." No, no, no. He knew. He knew. He knew about Wicker Man, um, and everyone's seen it. 
Um, all right. All right. So we'll, hold on. So I'm going to go through the rest of my lows real quick. So lows, screenplay. I think the screenplay is, if, if this was trying to be a, uh, a thriller, it's, it's just really bad. Uh, and, and again, you can even see where they do these weird hallucination scenes or these dream sequences. Oh, the worst, the wor- the ferry when 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 the the he's seeing, and again this is this is to remind the audience this is this is like screenwriting one on one. It's like remind the audience why he's going to this island, and it's they have to show oh he didn't save this girl, so because he didn't save this little girl, he wants to save another little girl. It's so, and then they show like he's looking out the ferry window and he sees the truck run the fucking girl over it's it's just very it's bad and it's badly implemented when you watch it it's it is kind of funny that like how is he's seeing a car run over a girl on a ferry no it's because it's the car that hits her when when the um the dialogue is obviously horrific it's i read somewhere that they used a lot of the original dialogue from the original movie but again if you're going to adapt it and you're going to put it into a more modern context, you have to be prepared to change the dialogue. Like when he walks in, he's like, you're a liar and you're the biggest liar I know. Like all, maybe that's a line in the original movie, but you can't have it sit in this modern version of the movie without it sounding fucking stupid. It just doesn't sound right. It just sounds, it makes it sound silly. Um, uh, all the flashbacks, the one the one that I think is the most predominant, the one that really calls attention to itself is when he is he, he goes to try and find the pilot who's has the water the plane. Water. And he and then he thinks he sees Rowan in the water and he dives into the water. The and it's this whole scene where he, he thinks he's gonna get the dead body of Rowan and it's this jump scare. And then it cuts from the jump scare to him sitting on the dock and now he's holding the dead body. And again, this is this is why I don't think this was meant to be a oh, comedy. Okay. Drag. Sure. The female cop that he's like friendly with in the beginning of the movie, like they set, they seem to set that up like it's, you know, she has a thing for him and whatever. Like there's something there that you think you're gonna catch on to at some point in the movie. It's like and it never does. It's like, well, what's the point of that then? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because that scene, that scene, that scene in particular. Well, they, the only thing she's meant to say is, you know, we don't know who they are. We never know. Okay, so then why does it seem like you two might be a thing at some point? Yeah. Or like, why would it even go there if it's not going to go there? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that, that scene, too, it's funny because when she first or shows up... That, like Nicholas Cage vanity where he's like, no, the actress has to pretend to be the one who made you. Maybe you might have nailed it on the head. They love the cage. They love the cage. All bitches want to get in the cage. I the next listen. The really did. He really did. I'm telling you right now. Whatever the next movie he makes is, the tagline should be "All bitches want to get in the cage." That's amazing. That's really good. Oh, all bitches want to get in the cage. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how to segue off that. That's so good. As far as highs go, I got very few highs. The only highs I really have for this movie are, you know, it's only an hour and 40 minutes. 
And for me, I think it, it's not it's not well paced. It's not really a well paced movie, but it moves pretty quickly. And 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 if you're gonna watch it, knowing that it's a comedy, um, or knowing that it's unintentionally a comedy, it's not a bad movie to watch. Like I said, the way when we watched Battlefield Earth and it was tough to get through it, this is a lot easier to get through. And again, Nick Cage is one of those actors. Like I said, he's he's on two different levels. He's either he's he's always dialed up to a thousand but but if the if the filmmaker knows how to how to ingratiate that into in yeah yeah if they can harness it into in into their film and into the story it's really good yeah and if you watch and what you're watching in this movie is it going off the rails you're watching a nick cage performance just going off the fucking rails and it is a so much fun to watch I would recommend anybody who's not seen this movie. I, I would the way that you don't need to see Battlefield Earth. There's plenty of terrible films you don't need to see. This is a movie that twice. Just just watch it twice. It's a lot of fun. Um, all right, so um, okay, right, so let's let's do the let's do the coin toss. We're gonna do the coin toss for um, for next week's episode again. As always, please write into Movie Hilo, M-O-V-I-E-H-I-G-H-L-O-W at gmail.com. Give us your recommendations for high or low films. Just give us a little bit of uh, a background as to why it's a, a good or bad film. Um, okay, so we're going to do the coin toss. Shit, I keep fucking drinking. Yeah, should do it. <laughs> Let me do it. No, let me do it. Heads. It's heads. So, so we're going high. It is the Irishman. Um, this is going to be a fun episode because we both have very different opinions of this movie. Yeah, I. Yeah. So, thank you for powering through this. I know you haven't felt good tonight, but. No, you saw. Yeah, all three of you. Well, thank you for, for tuning into this episode of Movie Hilo. We will see you next week with The Irishman, and have a great night. What's in the bag? A shark or something? 